Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson, and this is part two of our series on everyday disciples living ordinary lives with gospel intentionality. In this series, we're interviewing disciples from across Soma, Los Angeles. These disciples are a lot like you. They have dreams, they have passions, jobs, responsibilities, and the powerful calling to be sons and daughters of God, to be servants of Jesus, and to be missionaries sent by the Spirit into the places and roles that God's given them. In each episode, we're going to be talking to disciples in a unique vocation or role in our lives or in this city. Our hope is that this will be incredibly encouraging to you, that you'll grow in your appreciation for the diversity of disciples that there simply are in the world, but also that you'll know how to encourage others in your community who have similar callings or struggles or conflicts, and also that you'll be inspired, knowing that whatever circumstance God has placed you in, he's reminding you of the gospel, your identity, and your calling into his mission. Today's episode is about disciples who work in the entertainment industry, or just the industry, as we call it out here. And I'll be joined by three incredible people. Hope, who is a film composer, who works on several different projects. Jared, who's a visual effects artist with Sony Pictures. And Austin, who works in all areas of the business with NBC. These are normal people, and these are their stories. Let's dive in. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Action. Is that how that works? In the industry, action. <laughs> Well, welcome to the Saturate Podcast, guys. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is what I tell my mother. Thanks for having us over. <laughs> Thanks for having us over to the podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about the industry, which is the only industry in Los Angeles, which is what the rest of the world calls Hollywood or the entertainment industry. Which is actually not in Hollywood, but that's okay. That's good. We'll, we could get into that in this episode. It's all about geography. Let's <laughs> really dive into that. I want to ask, uh, first, the question is, we can go around kind of explaining what your, your job is, uh, where you fit into the entertainment industry. We'll just kind of start there, explaining what you do like you would to your grandma. Yeah, so my name is Jared, and I, I work for Sony Pictures, um, and I do visual effects in the film industry. And so that can be either live-action film where there's um, computer-generated imagery that's added to it, or it can be uh, completely CG-animated movies, and that's what I do. That's awesome. Are you allowed to talk about what movies you've done? Uh, yeah. So most recently I finished um, work on Into the Spider-Verse, the last animated Spider-Man movie that came out. And right now I'm also working on the next Spider-Man movie. Specifically, I do lighting and compositing, which is kind of the bringing together of the final elements for the final look of a shot, whether it be the lighting um, situation or the color and the look of the shot is kind of my department. Yeah. He killed Voldemort, but it's fine. And I, I also killed Voldemort. Yeah. You killed Voldemort. I was one of many people who killed Voldemort. But you made it look real. But yeah, I made his skin flaking off look as natural as possible. That's pretty great. That's, yeah. And your role in the church? And I am an elder at uh, Soma Culver City and also a missional community leader. When they went through the qualifications for you, it's like, well, he killed Voldemort. He made Reaper cheap. Totally. So he's good. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, right? True story. True story. That's so our church. That's our church. Uh, how about you, Hope? So my name is Hope. I am a film composer. Um, so I write music. I also write songs. I kind of have a myriad of jobs at the current point that I'm at. So I work for two other composers as an assistant. I write my own music for different types of short films or online projects etc. And then I also am a songwriter and I also teach private lessons. So it's a lot of everything right now, but basically some composing is writing 
music for the film. So yeah. <laughs> it seems simple, yet most people don't really know what that is. So like Jack, what Jack Black does in, uh, in The Holiday. Holiday. Yes, that's a good go-to. I mean, most people know who John Williams is and know like the music from a lot of those movies. So then you can kind of be like, it's like that, except not with a hundred-piece orchestra. You're not doing that. Not yet. Not yet. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Austin? I'm Austin Edwards. I work at NBC Entertainment. I primarily work as a producer's assistant. I worked on the show I Feel Bad that lasted for a season this past season. And um, when I'm not on a show, I work corporate. So right now I'm working for the chief financial officer of NBC. Wow. And what an assistant does is pretty much whatever the boss makes them do. For the producer's assistant, the producer's job is to put out whatever fires and coordinate communication between all all departments of this show. Um, So my role was to put out the smaller fires and to help keep my boss fed and on time and able to communicate with all the people in the different departments for the show. That's awesome. And when I moved here, I thought it took like 10, maybe 12 people to make a show i was like well there's the actors like in friends it's like that was probably a big show there's like six of them and then a director and a cameraman and then you realize it takes like hundreds of people oh to yeah make a show. i think like conservative estimate is like 150 people yeah. per show and so it's crazy so yeah. many people yeah i don't really know i don't know if you feel the same way Jared, but like because we're in post-production we come on to things at the end and so mm-hmm. it's like not quite as insane as like pre or during the production no. i mean there's a lot of people especially for him because he works on big movies but yeah it's like not as crazy but when you find out that like that for me it's always crazy that People have been working on this project by the time I'm getting it for like years. Mm-hmm. And even the short films and stuff that I do, it'll be like, oh, yeah, they've been working out for a year. And so it's crazy just the amount that goes into making something come to full circle. Yeah. Yeah. For TV, it's super fast. So um, the writers could be writing episode six or seven while we're shooting episode four or five while we are um, – editing like the first two episodes and if you're lucky sometimes you're even still writing the story while you're trying to make the movie which is that also you're like sadly yeah yeah how it often goes like, it'd be cool if we could have a spaceship come in here yeah it yep it happens yeah that's great so maybe what's a typical day like like what are the challenges what's exciting as you do your your role Um, A typical day. So I guess it would depend on, so in, in my industry, my part of the industry, (laughs) it's very cyclical, which I guess is probably true of most of the industry, but the beginnings of projects are very calm and um, pretty uneventful. You have time to think about the best way of doing something and uh, plan your time and execute it. And then at the end, it's just kind of crazy eight hour days are no longer a reality. (laughs) You're up to 12 and 14 hour days and it's just pushing things out as quick as possible. Um, Putting out fires when things break or like last night when I was trying to leave at midnight and you look at the render farm and everything's just red because something broke on the network, which is beyond my pay grade so you just shut it down and go home (laughs) you're like all the work was just red yeah and like hopefully tomorrow it'll be green we'll see Mm. nice and it was green this morning (laughs) so somebody fixed it overnight which is nice that's great that poor person that poor engineer who was called out of bed probably at two in the morning wow yeah so it like ebbs and flows and then there's these seasons where you're just pushing yeah to get it done but it does build like a nice camaraderie like there are three guys i guess i'm one of three guys that all sit together and we've kind of gotten into this rhythm where we tend to go from one project to the next together um we we all we kind of joke about talking to producers and saying we're a package deal like you got to take all three of us (laughs) um we just have like a high level of respect for one another um, and so it's kind of fun because you have like this almost like soldiers in the trenches, you know, late night, mm-hmm. finishing the work and encouraging each other. 
also commiserating and like <laughs> complaining and like building, you know, that sort of bond that people do. So there is, you know, the benefits to even the the hard and the long days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that kind of brings up something too, even as you talk about you and your coworkers, like, no, we're, we're a package deal. You need to hire us for the next show. That's how you all work, right? You work from one show, one project to the next. You're not, no one has a 401k <laughs> or maybe you do have a 401k, but they're I didn't know we were going to talk do. about finances. Oh, I'm financially <laughs> stable, sir. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> yes, mom. I am, yeah. yeah. But it's, it, it's yeah, you're, you're working project to project, like yeah. contract to it, contract. It's sort of like re-interviewing for the job you already have every right. four to six months, mm-hmm. which, you know, has its moments where it doesn't feel like a big deal. And then other times it feels overwhelming. And that's just kind of part, honestly, of what God has written into our story as far as knowing how to trust him and le- remembering and continuing to learn the same lesson over and over again that you feel like you learned, you know, at the beginning of your career. Um, yeah. But he's always provided and always made a way for, you know, us to continue to live in the city and to live in this community and have these relationships. So that's awesome. That's good. Was a typical work environment like for you? So my days are like, because I'm freelance, it's very like, for me and my personality, it's like waking up and kind of making a list of like everything that needs to be addressed for the day. Mm-hmm. And um, so that means checking in with my boss. I work for a composer, um, Catherine Joy. Shout out, Catherine. Hey. <laughs> um, but I work for her. And so like checking in with her and if we're on a project, um, that's then like the most important thing of my day. And then if I'm not, and I'm on my own personal project, then it's checking in with where I'm at with that. So that's kind of like the most priority, highest priority things. And then I'll typically have like a songwriting session or something basically during the like morning hours, I'm answering emails, like checking in with everybody, working on whatever the project is at hand. And then usually like at least Monday through Friday, like, and then leaving later in the afternoon to go teach. And then once I get home, checking it back in on all those things to make sure that I've done my work on it basically. So, yeah. So just super self-driven, a lot working by yourself. It's a lot of working by myself, a lot of chatting over Slack. Like we use that app or whatever. It's a lot of going back and forth on that. Um, My boss is like very, like one of the busiest people I've ever met. She's just Mm -hmm. like constantly in meetings and it's crazy. So it's hard to even kind of get her on the phone sometimes. And we all just have a lot of, like, when we're on a project, it's just, like, go time at that point. And so there's not a lot of time to really talk about mm. much except just, like, doing the work. Which is, yeah, it's awesome. And, like, I'm really grateful for that job because I get a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't be doing right now on my own. And so I love that. And my boss is so great. And super gracious with me because there's a learning curve to like all of these things, you know, like the jobs in this industry are so specific. And so like no matter how much training you have, like every project is a little different. And like I think for me, it's been really helpful to have somebody who is like willing to teach me and like be patient and like, you know, it's hard because these projects happen so fast and they're very like time sensitive. And so it's good to have somebody, there's a lot of horror stories out there, but it's good (laughs) to have somebody who like is happy to be like, okay, don't do that again. But like, let's fix this thing. Yeah. Cause it could be so much worse. (laughs) Well, right. I mean, that's gotta be, I mean, you can all even speak into the, like the, with that reality of you're doing something that you've worked really hard to do. Like you've all like sacrificed a lot to be like in these positions to like be doing this work and you to keep doing the work you have to get hired on the next project yeah. while you're working on this project and then if you screw up yeah it's very scary yeah how does that how does that work in the psyche of a even yeah just like as a person every time my boss says like on slack hey 
she'll say, she'll start her stuff like that. Hey. And every time my heart just like sinks because I'm like, she's going to like score me. The irony is that she like doesn't. She, it's always just like, can you, can you like go check on this or whatever? But she starts everything with just, hey. And it's so daunting because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting fired. <laughs> she's, she's done with me. Yeah. But yeah, it's like definitely the emotional roller coaster of that and mm. just tons of rejection all the time. I mean, that's something. I, your job seems a little bit more stable, <laughs> but lots of rejection. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's definitely like hard to, you have to have a strong, I think it used to tear me apart a lot more than it does hmm. now for sure. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. I, one of my friends and I, we, um, we immediately bonded that we were both Christians in the industry and we started jobs at the same time. And so like whenever you're learning, it does take a huge learning curve to know what your boss wants uh, because it's very specific to that mm-hmm. specific totally. person. And yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird role where you can't really articulate what you do. It's more of like my boss does this and I'm just kind of like in the little tiny sidecar mm-hmm. um, along for the ride. And so uh, my friend and I, we would always, like anytime we messed up, which was often, we would just text each other what we wanted to say mm. to uh, our boss. And that's, there's only one good and perfect person. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Because <laughs> we had to remind each other yeah. all the time that yeah. like, we can't have a higher standard mm-hmm. for like ourselves um, than like what scripture teaches. Like we know that like, we are all sinful and we all fall short. And so we can rest in the fact that Christ has done it better. And like, I know that sounds so dumb to apply to like a dropped phone call or a <laughs> missed scheduling meeting, but it is a good reminder to say like, Hey, um, mm. in the scheme of things, like I'm human and I will fail, but yeah. um, Jesus will sustain, sustain me through this. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think like, I always have to like tell myself like, kind of speaking just truth over myself, like in general, like Mm -hmm. I am enough, even I always tell myself because so much of my job is like productivity, like, cause let's say I don't have work with my boss and I don't have a project I'm working on. Then I'm like, okay, I have to like Mm -hmm. book a songwriting session today. Or like, there's so many things I should be doing to Mm -hmm. get a lot done today and to be productive and to move forward. And like, I, something that's been kind of a thing for me is just like, telling myself like even if I do nothing today like I'm still worthy and still enough like God does Mm -hmm. not love me less and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if I like don't move forward it has nothing to do with my value because I think that's the hard thing is that's like a message that's being Mm -hmm. preached a lot to us is like you have to hustle harder than everybody else and you have to like Mm -hmm. love it more than everyone else (laughs) like what does that even mean yeah you have to give more of yourself totally I mean willing to sacrifice everything Right. Yeah. And it's even in the name of all the companies, right? Like totally. production. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're supposed to produce yeah. and perform yeah. all the time, yeah. which I think is, and your value is based on how well you're performing and how many people know that you're performing yeah, and how exciting it is. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very, and just knowing like so many people come here and want to do it. So you like feel like you have to outrun people Mm -hmm. and it's easy to feel that way but I think like trying to remind myself of my own value before anything I do for the day is like super important and also just like rejection you know like that's a part of it and it eats people pretty fast I think Mm -hmm. here um especially like when you're trying to pay your bills and do things like that and you've you put a lot of weight into getting something not getting something Mm -hmm. whatever it can be very devastating And I think for me, like that happened to me was something I really wanted, like right when I got here and it took like, it was like a three month period of just like despair Mm. and like this was supposed to happen and it didn't. And now like, what is this? And just feeling like really kind of like mad at God even for that not working out. And it took kind of coming around and realizing what my identity actually is and like finding that like this is i'm going to be done here in two Mm. seconds if like that i can be so thrown and feel like completely worthless by something like that you know yeah well because yeah it's i'm sure 
I mean, I think that probably everyone can relate to someone in there. There's some invisible or visible person in most people's life that's like, do this and you're good and you've performed and you're valuable. At least I do. Yeah. Three on the Enneagram. Uh, (laughs) Shout out. (laughs) Just a zero though, pointing to the hero. (laughs) But uh, I think it's amazing. Like, yeah, I think that's the power of the the gospel. Like I, I even sometimes marvel, like how do people actually like live in the city beyond like a second without the hope of Jesus totally. saying like, no, like you're a son or a daughter infinitely loved by the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. intimately known, died for loved, you know? Yeah. And that's who you are. I don't know how, like, it just seems like the weight of it would be pretty, pretty crushing if you have to achieve that yeah. through other people. And even like, because it's also art. All of this is art, too. Yeah. So I think that probably, like, the freedom. I think that's why a lot of people here, like, seek out some sort of spirituality. Like, mm. whether it's Christianity or not. Like, I mean, I think, obviously, like, those things will come up short and they only last so long. But I think a lot of people here seek, like, mm-hmm. something spiritual. Even if it's, like, the drug trip that they're taking for the day. Mm-hmm. That's, like part of their spirituality because it is like you have to find a way to like contain the like mental tax that goes on especially when you're like tr- first trying to get into all of this hmm. which is interesting like being a christian and like talking about that with people and stuff and hearing people talk about how they've explored their own spirituality but i had a lady who is jewish and she was like talking about a post that was on Facebook just about like how you have to like, you have to love this more than like anything, like more, you have to be so devoted and people have all these like mantras and theories about like how they're going to make it. Cause that's how they've made it or Mm -hmm. how you're going to make it. Cause that's how they've made it kind of thing. And like, because they put it above everything, you know, they put it above having kids and like all this different stuff. And so like, if you could be that, then you could make it in this industry. And she just, like, had emailed me because she wasn't willing to say it, like, on the post. (laughs) And she's Jewish but, like, very devoted to her um, faith and was just saying, like, I feel like I'm, like, more multifaceted than just this. But, Mm -hmm. like, they're saying to be, like, to be this, you have to just be this. To to just be a musician and be the most devoted, best possible musician you Mm -hmm. could ever be and sacrifice everything. And she's like, I'm also a mom. Like, I'm also a wife. Like, I'm also spiritual. Like, have a faith. And, like, I don't feel like I have to sacrifice those things. And Mm -hmm. it was a really cool conversation about just, like, identity and how, like, my identity is not in the fact that I'm doing this. Or I want to do it. And we have this amazing freedom to be able to do this. And that's a great gift. But that it's not everything I am and I have to put everything I am on this or else I don't want it enough and therefore don't belong or something, Mm. you know? Have you guys experienced that too? Yeah. I think it's hard. Like, because that's everything in the world around us is telling us that the only way to make your life worth something is to figure out what your deepest desire is and to pursue that and to achieve that. Then your life will have meaning and purpose. And, but we all know that that's not true. Hmm. Like you can feel that that won't satisfy. Like this is a big part of my story is um, the company that I'd always wanted to work for up in the San Francisco Bay area. The opportunity finally came um, for us to take our two kids at the time and go up there for four months and really like strung out our our pace of life and um, kind of was a really gnarly experience. And at the end of it, like what my takeaway was, yeah, that was an amazing experience, but it was just a job. Mm. Like it had its blind spots and its mistakes and its failings, like every other place I've ever worked. Like sure. They've been doing it for over 20 years and they're great at it, Mm -hmm. but they're not perfect. And like, it didn't deliver Mm. this like, cathartic artistic experience where I was like, I've done the most beautiful work Mm -hmm. of my career. Like I did some beautiful shots, (laughs) you know, some transformers and some turtles, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was just a movie. And right. So yeah, I definitely run into that 
Mm. believing, finding myself believing that lie, thinking that I've like turned from that lie only to find that I'm just believing a different facet of it. Mm. Yeah, I found the same to be true. The hustle, every assistant trying to get drinks with every other assistant. <laughs> um, and like, some like very great assistants double booking and like doing back-to-back drinks with people at the end of a 14-hour workday, which is just insane to me. They're doing so, that just to network. Just to, to network for their next yeah, gig. Uh-huh. And so it's such a hustle and such a grind. There are only 10-year overnight success stories. <laughs> yeah. And that is you put in your work and then hopefully <laughs> after like 10 years. Overnight. Yeah. So it's like, oh, all the actors who are in their 20s who've made it have been doing it since they were 10. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So oh, that whole entire idea of like, okay, you put in your... <laughs> what is it like 10,000 hours, hundred thousand hours, yeah. Yeah. a lot of hours, a hours. so many hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you've made it. And so it's a lie that's so easy to fall into. Yeah. There was an article in the New York times that it says our ability to work is the focal point of our lives rather than our humanity is creating the idea that Elon Musk is your high priest. You're going mm-hmm. to your church every day and worshiping at the mm-hmm. altar of work. Mm-hmm. And that is by and large how I feel uh, when I meet a lot of people in the industry that it's like Hope said, you know, I'm not going to have kids or like, I think that was the biggest shocker when I, uh, when I first moved out here was I went out, um, I was an NBC page and we had a huge page party and everyone was talking about their life dreams. And I was like, Oh, you know, like maybe like three or four to like eight kids. <laughs> and everyone was like, okay, you're hilarious. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, like I really want this. I want to be a Disney dad, you know? Yeah. Um, and then my sister was like, Oh, Disney dad, 2040 real dad, 2050. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but, but like, that is like one of my, goal you know and so so many people are just like you know like kids like somebody else can take care of them or um, mm-hmm. like so many other things are willing to um, people are willing to sacrifice in order to make a name for themselves right and so um, and that's a huge temptation for me too and i like didn't really notice it until both of my sisters moved out um and we lived together for the past like six months and it's been crazy to see how, like, I didn't know I was a workaholic until I had somebody to come home to. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, like I've been working a very unhealthy amount of time and focusing so much on that because like, that's all I had to do. And right. I felt like I had to do it. And so um, it's a lie that's very easy to fall into and to mm-hmm. believe that you have to be doing all the work, which, um, you know, like the greatest solace I found in the past six months Um, has been that God is sovereign over it and that every opportunity, no matter how often, because I do this often, I try to will opportunities into existence. I still can't do it. And like, even when I'm like, oh, I'm very connected and I have this in for this job, nine times out of 10, that's not the job that will work out. Mm. And so it's a good reminder from day one when you turn in your resume and your resume only has your school on it. Yeah. It's all grace, you know, to know mm-hmm. that like, okay, somebody has to take a chance on you for you to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And then somebody has to take a chance on you right. for the next job. Yeah. So I can't will it. Yeah. That's, I was thinking like when you're talking about the networking thing too, because so many times, like there's an event, there's so many events, <laughs> Too many events. <laughs> there's so many events <laughs> and it's always sort of like, Oh, I don't want to go, but I have to go. And cause like, the networking thing is like, it's so icky. Like it's not a, but the industry is like what? 10% doing the work, 90% networking networking. to do the work. It matters. Like 90%, but hundred (laughs) percent to your 90%. Yes. Yes. Your statistic is a hundred percent. Correct. Correct. Um, Yeah. And it's, it matters. So it's not like you can just say like, Oh, I'm just not going to do that part. Like it does matter. But it's like so many times I'll be like, I don't want to go like attend this event. Like, I don't want to do it or like, I don't have it in me. Like mm-hmm. I worked on this all day. Then I taught and then I did this and now I'm going to go drive, like sit in traffic for an hour and a half. And that's just like a mile away. Right. Yeah. To show up 45 minutes late to this event. So I can hopefully like turn on my most friendliest personality to mm. try and like meet people because you never know what's going to come of it. And it's been a, important for me. Like I kind of just sit there and sort of 
I am not creating these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like my destiny is not going to be missed mm-hmm. by not going to this event. If I feel like I'm tired and I don't want to do it tonight. Mm-hmm. Like I think so many people in LA are bound by that thinking because what they feel so much in their own control mm-hmm. of their own destiny kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's such a relief for me to know that I'm not yeah. <laughs> so that like if, and if I like, there was a party and I didn't go and freaking Steven Spielberg was looking for a young female composer <laughs> to do his next film. I don't have to live with this like, oh my gosh, like I missed this right. opportunity and I should have been there. Like that's an easy thing to yeah. feel, especially when you feel like it is all in your control yeah. and then you feel guilty that you wouldn't go and like, oh, I really ruined this opportunity for myself. And it's such a nice thing to know, like, it's not up to me. Like, what's going to happen? I'm here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't need to feel guilt if I don't go to something. I don't need to feel like I'm not hustling as hard as everybody else is hustling. Like, I can just rest in being here and knowing that I'm doing what I need to be doing. And like leave the rest. If I decide I'm too tired to go, then who cares? And I'm just too tired to go. And that's totally fine. And I'm not missing anything and manifesting things for myself or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like I know all of your stories a little bit. Like you all got, you all drove across the country or somehow ended up here with like nothing. Like there's like really funny stories about Jared. You're trying to hang out with another friend. (laughs) And you both realized later that you didn't have cars. And that was like pre-Uber and everything. It's like, and, you know, like came out with Caleb, your husband, and like didn't know where to, you were going to work, you know? And and so like everything that you've had since then, so it's just like, wow, this is great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Like, how did I end up here? How did I get more stuff on my resume? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just you worked hard. Yeah. You are all talented Nice and all those things. Thank you for saying that. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, What are you going to say, Jerry? Oh, I was just going to say it reminds me of, I like the way Tim Keller describes how most people or really how in reality we interact with the idea of God being sovereign. It's not like in these neat categories that we like to place it in a lot of times. Um, it's, It's like a person who, if you think about them getting out of bed in the morning, a person who 100% thought everything depended on them would be so terrified that their feet would never touch the ground and they would be paralyzed. While at the same time, a person who thought that come what may, nothing they did had an impact or would really matter would just stay in bed all day. Mm-hmm. So somehow we all naturally live in this weird tension where we're trusting God or some mm-hmm. unknown force if we, if we don't follow Jesus while also walking in the vocations that he's given us to do mm-hmm. in faith. And it's this weird thing that if you look at, look at two square in the eyes, you can have a, yeah, a crisis of your existence, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think one interesting angle is a little like taking a turn, but <laughs> you guys work in industry the industry, I was going to say industries, <laughs> that's wrong. The industry in which uh, a lot of people from the outside might be like, so what? The movies don't have music in it. So what? NBC doesn't come up with a new TV show. Like, so what? We don't have action hero movies that with really good, you know, like these things are not crucial to human existence. They don't like cure poverty. Like that's, I mean, People would not say that to you right now. But that's like, I think that's like a perspective that people have. And then maybe then they would lump. It's like, oh, but you guys are Christians. So I guess it's cool that you're there to be missionaries, which can be part just like anybody doing any job. But then like, how do you see like the mission, the purpose of God way beyond just evangelism, but like the purpose of God happening through your work? I think on a fundamental level, if you go back to the way things were meant to be, we would all be creating the way N.T. Wright talks about it is that we've been given a covenant of vocation. Like God invited you into this work where he gave us his good creation and made us his very good co-creators and mm-hmm. said, this is a sandbox, build up my creation, find the latent potential yeah. in, within it and make beautiful things. And had we not, the way he puts it is we gave away our power to the forces of this world, 
creating these dominating power structures that imprison us, whether it be sexuality or power or money. Um, and we gave away our control of our lives to those things. And we lost our vocation in the process and broke everything mm -hmm. around us, literally. And so had that not happened, we would still all be creating, whether yeah. it appears frivolous or meaningful, like we would all be pouring <laughs> yeah. ourselves out from, from one degree of glory to another just for the sheer joy of it. So I think in that respect, I feel meaning and purpose to, to being an artist because had there been no original sin, that's what we would all be doing all mm -hmm. the time. There would be no fixing mm -hmm. things that were broken. It would just be pouring ourselves out in whatever particular way we were made to do that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. <clears throat> yeah, I think you had said before like oh you guys have sacrificed so much but my mind is like i feel like i would be sacrificing so much more of myself to not be doing this mm -hmm. than i feel like i'm sacrificing to do this like the sacrifices seem very minimal in comparison to how much of myself i feel like i found in doing this and like mm. so i i feel like it's just like a joy and a privilege and out of that comes like just an abundance. Like for me, I was doing church music before I like came out here. I was doing that. And like, there was just a lot of like bitterness growing inside of me and things like that mm. um, towards that. And at the same time, I also didn't have any non-Christian friends. And so did my husband, like he worked at the church too. And like, neither one of us had non-Christian friends and he like taught at church and I like led the worship and then we came out here and didn't have jobs, like you said, <laughs> and then got jobs for the first two year and a half to two years in um, service industries. He was a barista and I worked at a clothing store while I was going to UCLA. And I remember when he came home from work one day and was like, this is like the first time I've not, I've had like non-Christian friends. And like, it's mm -hmm. so much harder to mm -hmm. talk to them about the gospel than I have been preaching about. Like mm -hmm. I've been telling everybody, like, go talk to your non-Christian friends, like bring them to church and like tell them about <laughs> Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And I had none. Yeah. And now that I have some, I realize how actually like difficult this is yeah. and how hard it is to be authentic and to like be honest, how scary it can be to be vulnerable with people mm -hmm. and all those different things. And so I feel like it's been so great to realize yeah. like that now I have people in my life who don't know Jesus and I yeah. didn't have that before. And like, that's not a knock against anybody who's in ministry, but I was bitter in my own heart like towards that while also yeah. like not reaching anybody for the gospel because I was mm -hmm. just in that world. And so this is like a whole new experience, but it's so beautiful because I don't feel like I'm sacrificing like my desire to create mm -hmm. in order to like do something that I felt I needed to do to be a good Christian. Yeah, And with that also comes relationships where like I am challenged, you know, to like, even just my boss saying like, this has been a really hard day and like, I'm really struggling with blah, 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 blah. And being able to just say, I'm praying for you <laughs> and being like kind of nervous, but knowing that they know that I'm a Christian and like those yeah. kind of things, like that's been really cool for me. And talking to like that girl who is Jewish and like having a conversation about our identities and how we see ourselves in the industry. Yeah. Like those things for me were never happening before. <laughs> yeah. And so now it's like such a different experience and it's very challenging to my faith for sure. But it's also like really amazing to see how like this opportunity, like the Lord has allowed me to feel free of guilt and shame to yeah. create and not feel like I'm doing something that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then also like get to focus in on these relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's like what we're all doing, you know, right. is like being in relationship with people and I'm getting to experience that in a totally different yeah. way than I ever did before. Yeah. And that is kind of like this convergence of God sovereignly brought you here. He's going to work it out. You know, like you don't have to show up to that yeah. one party that, the director of the year. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like all the places that he has put you is to like freely craft, freely mm -hmm. create something beautiful. Yeah. 
And at the same time, it's no accident of the people that he's put around you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Recently uh, for me, I've been, um, I guess in the past month, I felt like God has been speaking to me about delighting in him Mm. and that I really don't know what that feels like to have delight is very much my relationship with God has been, it's had like glimpses of that, but it's very much been a duty or something that like, because my family did this, I do this, or because I've been told this, I do this, but I've wanted to experience Christ and like his glory for like what it is and actually be joyful in that. And uh, one of the ways that I've begun to understand that a little bit more is by um, going into work and actually realizing that I delight in going to work mm-hmm. and that it's such a good gift that God has given me for the past two and a half years to go into a place where out of all my days, only one day I dreaded going into work. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people don't have that story. Totally. A lot of people I work with don't even have that story. So that was like a small glimpse at it. And then just realizing that like he delights in like having a relationship with his created beings. And I think that as Jared talked about with God as creator, that's something that you get to see like a glimpse of it, not even close, but um, to say like, hey, I made this and I love Mm -hmm. this and I put my heart on the line for this. And so uh, that's been a really cool way that I feel like God has shown me that he delights in having a relationship with us and that um, sometimes I think that I can be a burden to God (laughs) and um, like just so many different lies about that and that like realizing like, okay, like Jesus died for my sin and my shame and that like he delights in having a relationship with me because he's good and because he's loving Mm. and that it's not like an academic version of loving, but it's like (laughs) a passionate, real human, but like God um, version of loving. And so that's been really cool to see how like starting to understand that more and more has opened up like how I live with my family and right. like how I live at work and with coworkers. And so that's been a really cool experience. Yeah, that's really awesome. And and then also um, there's a guy in production at NBC who is a deacon and he, we sat down and talked for a while and he's like, you're the pastor of where you work. Mm-hmm. And I think growing up with the duality of like, oh no, like the pastor and missionaries, they're like the first level VIP Christians mm-hmm. and then the, lo- <laughs> the lowly peasants like us to do like a nine to five grind just to give our money to the church to support the people who are doing the work of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so to see like you're the pastor where you work is true for all of us, especially true for you, Brad. <laughs> I am the pastor where I work. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, but what you're saying is so... But yeah, and so it's very nice um, in times of grief, whether it's the loss of loved one or just like the loss of a job which Mm -hmm. happens a lot Mm -hmm. or the loss of a dream or whatever it is it's um cool to be able to have friendships and to care for people that you work with absolutely yeah austin and i are both pastors kids too and i think (laughs) we have the wounds (laughs) there's so many stories but also just that like i think part of like there is a guilt sometimes because you've grown up being in like the like VIP status, (laughs) like being the PK of sort of like we're the holier, even though you just know it's so not true. But like, I think there is somewhat of a interesting, like leveling down feeling when you like don't pursue ministry, especially because like I was originally doing that. So was my husband. And so there's definitely this feeling of like, oh, now we're like less than Christians. Mm, yeah. And especially like we're in Hollywood. Like everyone hates Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> Those liberal crazies. Yeah. So then it's just this feeling, you know, it is hard to deal with that feeling of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, like this is a totally different experience of my faith than I ever have had before. Cause right. I've always kind of been that like, mm-hmm. we're the really Christian ones. Right. You know? Which is, that's a phrase that, I always think is kind of clever and I've heard many people tell their stories this way, but they left the ministry so that they could minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I left the, the church buildings. And then I found out that I was like the pastor at my work. I was like a, a priest. I'm, I belong to mm-hmm. like a kingdom of priests and mm-hmm. I get to like shepherd and care for people and proclaim things that are true about beauty and God and like who they are. And like, it's really what you guys are doing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Not even regardless of what your job is, you just have a job that's super creative and unique and different. But not in the city. You're pretty different. Them. Yeah. We're pretty, we're pretty normal. <laughs> pretty normal. Thanks for telling yeah. us we're unique. <laughs> so I, have, I needed that. I have one more question. It is about uh, community. Mm. So I think we've it's, we've kind of organically talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus and how that influences your lives as well as identity and mission and all that stuff. But like, what, how does the, the community of saints play into your daily life? So our visual community goes to a nursing home every other Sunday. And that's been like a really cool thing that's played into doing service that's outside of ourselves. <laughs> Because everything here feels like it's unto ourselves. Like a lot of people are here to build something for themselves, like Mm -hmm. whether you're a Christian or not. And so to be able to do service for other people in a community is like really cool. It's super challenging and community in general is challenging, but it's been like a really rewarding part of like stepping outside of the like hustle mindset and all of that and to be, spend time with people who are literally like the least of these and just be reminded of that. Cause mm-hmm. it's just so easy to, to not be, I think too, when I came to LA, like I, when I first came to Soma, I had not been a part of a church that had like emphasis on real community and LA like kind of immediately felt like home to me. And I think like that had everything to do with having a community of people right away. Mm-hmm. I also feel like being a Christian in this city, like there's no point unless you actually are mm-hmm. <laughs> where like mm-hmm. a lot of other cities in America, like there's definitely like great incentive to like say you're right. a Christian and, fe- and I'm from Phoenix and that's totally the vibe. But like here, there's no incentive to go yeah. to church, be a part of a Christian community and say you're a Christian unless you like mean it. Yeah. <laughs> like if you do come here feeling that way and you don't really mean it, like it'll go away pretty fast. Right. And so once you get that roommate. You're totally. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a unique like experience, I think, yeah. here in community of like banding together for something that's like knowing that people here do not look highly upon us for like being a part of this faith. And Mm. that makes each other like, to me, it makes it even more important than Mm. like it ever was to me before. Yeah. And yeah, it's been like life-saving for me. Like this is, it's a hard business to be a part of. And so falling back on like knowing that I'm loved and being reminded by my community, like, when yeah. we said like our bosses could easily like scorn us and like mm-hmm. we could be rejected and like so yeah. many things happen throughout the day that like shake us but having people to come back to that like are reminding me at least of like that value reminding me to go serve somebody and get outside of myself for a second to be at church and <laughs> <laughs> to show up <laughs> and be there and like that's it's been like something that I think I can't imagine what like any of this would actually be like if I didn't have that, you know, and a lot of people in LA Christian or not don't have a community and you can see like the loneliness and how hard that it is to, to be here. And so like, I think that's a huge, even just way of like presenting the Lord is by being able to be like, I have friends <laughs> like yeah. remember when Caleb first worked at Intelligentsia my husband he was like because people kept visiting him at yeah. the coffee shop and then people just kept being like how do you have friends <laughs> like I've been here for 10 years and I don't have a single friend other than the people who work here yeah. and he would have people visiting him all day every day and it was like all people from church and from our missional community and like, that's such a powerful thing and such a blessing, you know, yeah. you don't really realize how powerful that is until you live somewhere where people don't have any community right. and family or anything like that. So yeah, it's pretty invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I first moved out here, I was part of a school program for like the first semester I was here, I guess. People from the church, they opened up their homes because I was the RA and for some reason, the student housing 
ended before most people's internships did. And so we were in a real problem because we had to be out. We had to clean them. But we had like five or six people who needed places to stay. And I was like, oh, I have like church people. Let me Mm -hmm. just put it out there. And people were like, how did you make friends from like August to December? Like, how do you know enough people to house us? And then uh, seeing how out of that, one of the girls who stayed with a house of girls from the church it was her birthday and they like took her to star Wars and like made it a huge thing. And she hadn't had uh, many friends in the city. Mm. And so she was like, Whoa, like this is something totally different, totally foreign. Um, And these people just met me. So (laughs) I think that like the testimony of saints uh, is so, so incredible. It's been a fun game that I played with my friends and that is uh, Southern family or Christian where we try to like categorize like what, what, what I'm doing, like what is the purpose behind that? So if it's like, I'm holding the door open for you, it's not because I'm a Christian. It's because I'm from the South. (laughs) And like, if like, I won't let a joke die, that's because of my family. (laughs) That's not a Christian thing. thing. (laughs) Just let it die. And then if, um, if it's, I'm like driving you to LAX across town, <laughs> like that's, that's probably because I'm a Christian. Jesus did that. Yeah. Jesus yeah. would definitely he sacrifice. He took the wheel and yeah. he drove you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's been fun. I like. Set, I hope they don't listen to this because the relationship's not happening anymore. But I did set up friends at a missional community wine night. That was their first date, and nice. that happened. So it's cool. Um, if they're listening, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I feel really bad. I'm the one with all the regrets in this relationship. <laughs> but um, it's really cool to be able to have like my friends say like, oh, like. I know them and they're like my friends and I, yeah. even though they're more like acquaintances, but the consistent <laughs> testimony, yeah. um, even if it's just like Facebook friends, it's like, Oh, that's yeah. a totally different way of life that they get to see. Totally. So that's really cool. And then as far as like the community of saints at NBC, I feel like I've been very fortunate to meet a Christian in almost every department hmm. I've been in and on the show I worked on and on the pilot I worked on. And so there are so many different people where uh, like I was trying to uh, evangelize a lady and she was just like, Oh, the world's up in flames. And so I started like asking questions and then she like, she was driving um, a shuttle. She was part of the transportation team. She like slammed on her brakes and she's like, sir, his name is Jesus Christ and gave me the gospel. And I was just like, Oh, this is like, we are like, you're my sister. Like, thank you so much. Like she full on turned around and was like, I found the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. And I was like, don't I know it? <laughs> You're like asking like probing questions. Like, probing so questions. You, how do you deal with the yeah, world being exactly. so broken? You're like <laughs> setting her up to tell her the gospel. Yeah, and, and she like, was like, here you go, sir. You need to know this. <laughs> it will change your life. So it's been really so cool good. to have um, those experiences and uh, have people who are like, yeah, we prayed for more Christians in the industry and we feel like God is answering our prayers. And so it is something that is very exciting. We don't know what God's up to and we may not see it like in our lifetimes, but it's so cool that God is calling people to himself. And that's true of every sphere of life, every every city, every tribe, tongue, and nation. Boom. Wow. Appreciate that. That's what the lady told me. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. How's your community, Jared? <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about where where my story intersects with that question. And I think to come full circle, that was a big part of what God really showed us in choosing to commit to LA long-term and to say like, you know, regardless of like come what may, like this mm-hmm. is where he has us is we tried like moving for the job, you know, and for whatever reason, like we got plugged into a church there, but never found community. And I think that was grace in a way, not that we couldn't have found community up there, but it was just our way of knowing that like you have called us to a place and to a particular community and to choose something else. And it wasn't him saying like, you're, you know, you will be disobedient if you choose to move to San Francisco and pursue this other life. But it was, you can choose like the choices are in front of you. Like, you know, the 
what I've called you to in LA. You mm-hmm. know what you've seen in the past. You have all of these evidences of grace to look back on. Mm-hmm. Will you choose to to pursue that or will you doubt it and go after this other thing that's enticing and mm-hmm. seems like it would lead to fullness of life? And it's like an ongoing co- question for me because of what we talked about earlier with re-interviewing for my job mm-hmm. every six months. And some of the more enticing jobs are in New Zealand or in San Francisco or even in Vancouver, where I could probably yeah. like move up the ranks in a year and be, you know, standing on the Oscar stage at two years from now, which is enticing. <laughs> That's enticing. Yeah. So there's no, no shortage of temptation to choose um, pursuit and ambition mm-hmm. over community. But like, I don't know, it's it's weird because it's not like I would never say like it would be disobedient for, you know, black and white for someone to do X, Y, Z. But for us, for our family, we know like beyond a shadow of a doubt for us, it would be disobedient to mm-hmm. take these steps. And that's a weird thing because it's like, yeah, that's not a black and white sin issue. It's a it's a matter of calling. And mm-hmm. um, and even in that, there's difficulty like our missional community which you are a part of talked That's about right. full disclosure, full disclosure. <laughs> um, recently talked about the seasons that we're in and we have one couple that had a new baby. And so their life is kind of getting reoriented around that baby mm-hmm. um, well, around reoriented around Jesus, but how to take care of that baby. Yeah. Um, and that always uneasy moment when people are like, yeah, we have this baby now. And you're like, Oh, are they going to leave? <laughs> Is that the sign? Totally. Yeah. No. Yeah. So there's, but so then they're like, no, but we want to stay. And how do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. And we, so yeah. they're wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with, uh, we coined the term spider season because mm-hmm. for the last two years, all of my times of being overworked and overtired have been related to a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> um, and you guys just moved into the house and are, mm-hmm. you're about to go out of town. And so we talked through all those things. And yeah, we just had a a great sense of not necessarily knowing that we knew how to or could, but wanting to bear one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. And I think I've like, I've felt that multiple times. And this was like the most recent experience of like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, because like we have been made a family, like mm-hmm. I, I'm, we're not abandoned in the struggle and like, my wife's not going to lose her mind with our three kids when I'm working mm-hmm. for the next five Saturdays um, because she has family beyond just our blood family that have come around totally. her. Yeah. So it's a constant encouragement. And it's, I mean, it's funny because th- this question could go so many different ways. Like at, when you first asked it, I was like, Oh, but what if, what is our missional community doing? Like what are, <laughs> how are we do? How's my missional community engaging my workplace? But I think it's, it's not always so on the nose like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in the, in the cracks and the crevices of how talking to my coworkers who also have children and how they're handling being away from their kids and getting to, to walk through that together and mm-hmm. joking about asking the producers to pay for child care so our wives can have mm-hmm. a break. And yeah, yeah it's just, it's a gift to have, yeah, I guess that that idea of like going through this with hope, you know, mm-hmm. going through these seasons where it's not, it could be just, you know, on paper, you know, work to the bone and then get laid off. But mm-hmm. maybe it's, maybe there's more than that, you know, yeah. in, the, in the nitty gritty of the daily details, you actually get to live life with a bunch of people and they get to see you mm-hmm. being supported by this whole community around you. Yeah. And I think that definitely happens more than we are even aware. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that I think all of you kind of shared that reality of, yeah, something Jesus says that like the world will know that we follow him by our love for one another. Mm-hmm. Like the, the world knows like, Oh, you're a follower of Jesus based on the way that the community loves each other. Mm-hmm. And, and even I think something like that moment you're talking about our community, Jared is, was such a, a good one and a beautiful one because it feels like, okay, so we all have burdens. 
So I guess we should go to our corners and work on our own burdens because you have a burden, you know, like your work, Spider-Man season, and you have a baby and we moved houses and, you know, so-and-so doesn't like, is like super struggling with their job and it might end and like all of these different, it's like, no, I have a burden, but you're going to carry it because mm-hmm. we're a community and your burden that you have, I'm going to carry it, even though I also have a burden mm-hmm. and it's, even the, the big story that most people in LA say is like, oh, I had to push and carry this huge goal that I have for myself mm-hmm. up this massive mountain. Mm-hmm. And at the, even like in the Oscars, it's like the ones that are f- the, the famous acceptance speeches that are cool is like when it's one actor, one director, one person. But then in the end, there's like this whole crowd of people up there. And you're like, I don't even know who these people are. Get them yeah. off the stage. The, the narrative is basically like be be a person that carries it all on your own and can get there. Hmm. And then I think the community says like, no, like we're actually going to join all of our burdens into one burden hmm. and then walk with each other, like carry it together. Yeah, I think too, like that's been like being here and away from family and m- most of us are away from besides Austin. He brought his whole family here. But being away from family, like so many of us are. And so the neediness of most of us, like even yeah. gets heightened because mm-hmm. like I might have asked my mom or a brother to like take me to the airport. And now it's like, it's having to ask people to like do things that you know they don't want to do and ask mm. people for help, like taking care of our kids. And like, I mean, I don't have it, but taking care of somebody else's kids and like lots of things, you know, like we had a broken car for a while and like couldn't really afford to fix it. Mm-hmm. And like just so many things come up that like you could probably have asked like your family or whoever, mm. wherever you're from and you have to ask somebody else or you just, I don't know, like pay for, you know, try and go completely broke or whatever, trying to do it all on your own. And it's such a like, I mean, it's just a reminder for me personally, even if other people get to witness that and think, wow, like this is, you know, Mm. which people do. But I think for me, like it's such a reminder of like, I know how much like somebody doesn't really care to necessarily Mm -hmm. do that and to be willing to carry that. Or I know how much that person has going on in their lives and for them to have taken the time to like serve me in some way um, means so much, you know, so much. So (laughs) much. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. So um, much oh, I get church. it now. So much church. Yeah. So much so church. Much church. <laughs> so much yeah. church. Everyday yeah. church. Everywhere yeah. church. Mm-hmm. So much church. So much <laughs> But yeah, it just means a lot. And it's like, again, like I wasn't getting quite the opportunities to like practice my faith in that way, like being mm-hmm. in Phoenix, just in the situation I was in. And so getting to experience that is like i think mm-hmm. it'd be so easy to fall just away like being here and god is always reminding us like me and my husband like whether it's just through providing or whether it's through like providing community mm-hmm. like there's so many things that mm-hmm. come up time and time again that are reminders of how much like we are not in control and how much he's provided mm-hmm. for us to be able to do all of this and just that it's so beyond our abilities to manipulate the world to all go our way, you know? And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And we get to witness it with each other all the time too, you know, in Jared's family and in your family and with Austin's family. (laughs) And yeah, it's like, it's such a cool thing because Mm -hmm. we just don't get that with like, you know, to discuss those things with our friends and work. Like it's not as common to be able to talk about it, but we get to like see that in each other's lives all the time and be able to affirm like, yeah, God like did that for you, you know, and he did that for us and he's providing for us and like being reminded of that, you know? That's awesome. That's so good guys. Thanks so much for, for so much. <laughs> That's a good. I'm never going to be able to unhear that. Yeah, well, making t-shirts. Uh, thank you guys for joining this conversation, and yeah, it's it's uh, 
honor and a privilege, like, to be one of your pastors, one of your elders. Yeah, when I was 22, and I was like, I think I want to give my life to being like a leader of the church is because I wanted to equip saints to do the work of mm -hmm. the ministry. And it's really cool to play a tiny, tiny role in seeing you guys continually growing up in faith and maturity and Thanks, ministering to so many thousands <laughs> of people, hundreds of people, you know, it's like, it's amazing. So. Thanks for joining the podcast, sharing. It's going to bless a ton of people. So. Yeah, this is yeah, fun. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having us. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.